I'm ready with y'all, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. <laughs> Which are well, everybody. It's your guy, Grant Heckinger, here with Connor Byrne. We have not been together. We have been separated by Francis. Francis has been trying to keep us apart. He knows we're too powerful together. Um, so we haven't been together in, I don't know, it feels like a few months here. Connor, how you doing, my guy? I'm good. It's like, uh, in Star Wars and they're trying to keep Anakin down in that middle trilogy series, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then, but then Anakin realizes his true potential and that's in this episode today. Yeah. You got all the midichlorians like that, that we, us together, we're just too powerful for the uh, Jedi to contain. That's a good comparison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to jump right in here. Um, we've had some long episodes back to back. We just finished our um, most interesting team series, our annual most interesting team series. It took us a lot longer than we should have, um, so we had probably too much information to go off of with the, the last episode and talk too much. Um, so we're going to try to keep this one pretty short and sweet, so we're going to jump right in here. First things first. Not only was it a long episode, it took three weeks to get us together, another two weeks to produce Yeah, it. unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> we have had a stretch of just really bad uh technical luck here yeah and, and, and scheduling our operations luck. yeah our operations manager needs to be fired yeah <laughs> okay so first things first order of business here um i very much did not want us to discuss uh, well, not me discuss for you and francis to discuss the wizards last episode and gave them a lot of flack um for not being worthy of being an interesting team the wizards currently let me look up their ranking right now. They are first in the they're, East yeah, with first nine, the and three, nine and three, and they're. Uh, I looked at it last night. Let me make sure they were seventh in the league in net rating. So, yeah. like a legit um, good team. I'm not sure if they played a tough schedule. How, what, what do you know about they've, their schedule so far? They've uh, most of their games have been against good teams, or at least teams that made the playoffs this year. And then they had a game against the Cavs, who were pretty good this year. Okay. Um, so. And then, like the one team that game that's a uh, this game that's a little bit suspicious of a win, they beat the Pacers, but they didn't even have Bradley Beal that game, so it was still kind of an impressive win for them. Okay, so um, I think we should also note just because we probably should always that today is Sunday, November fourteenth, when we're talking right now. Gotcha. Good. Um, the Wizards are oh my goodness, no, never mind. That's not I didn't have it sorted right. They are fifth right now in net rating with a four point eight net rating. Um, oh yeah. So that all that being said, uh, Connor, you can take. One minute, you can take 20 minutes just to tell me how wrong I was on the Wizards. <laughs> Go for it. I feel like this is a trap. I'm going to talk for 30 seconds, and, and you're going to hit me with I'll be like, air horn. <laughs> I'll be like, and here's why you're wrong, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I just I think probably we should start talking about with the Wizards is come award season, how many we how many are we coming away with here, you know? Um what is Unsell Jr.? Is he where is he in your coach of the year ranking so far? I mean, he's got to be really, really high with uh, this, yeah. this team. Yeah. Um, so, so was Unsell Jr. maybe coach of the year? Tommy Shepard, the GM, I think should be in consideration just for what he's the way he's able to flip a couple of contracts here now. Uh, so Tommy Shepard should be an executive of the year running. Uh, Montrez Harrell should be in six, should be the six man favorite, I think, right now in the NBA, uh, which I don't hear a lot of talk about, which I, I don't actually understand that. Have you heard much talk about him for six man of the year? Um, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know if people are really talking about six man of the year too much yet. Um, we were, yeah, we're, I guess we're only 12 games 12. into the season, but uh, <laughs> I guess that's not, the, that's not the biggest award people are interested in. Yeah, but I, I have heard positive Montrez Harrell chatter. Everyone, everyone realizes how good he's been. Yeah. Um, so I think this, as this point in the season, I think you got three Wizards people in the organization who should be getting award contention. And I just love how deep the team is. Um, they're really fun to watch, and there's some fun personalities on this team. And Montrez is obviously fun. You want to root for him. Uh, and Kuzma, Kuzma is such a uh, 
like <laughs> such a troll that he's pretty fun just to kind of have on your team. I mean, it's not going to be fun if they start losing. He starts going like two for 12 from the field, but the way it is now, it's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm loving it. It's a great ride. And I think they're going to be good this year. It's keep it up. I don't I mean, obviously I don't think they're going to win the East, but uh, you think this is at yeah. least somewhat legit. Uh, yeah, I do think it is somewhat legit. I think they'll end up with like mid forties wins, which would be like, like I think a forty six and thirty six is is a real possibility, which would be a great season. Yeah. Okay. Considering what expectations were, that so. that would be um, way way above what we thought coming in. Um, yeah. So the third, the two things I wanted to say, both very positive things. First, they're doing with with Brad Beal, who the past two years um, obviously has been their their entire offense basically in average. 30.5 two years ago, 31.3 last year. Right now he's averaging 23.3, and he's also shooting very poorly. He's at 40.7% from the field and 25% from three. A crazy 97.6% from the line, which is a lot of fun, but um, that's fairly small. He's only shooting four free throws a game. So um, he's not caring. He's not having to carry the offensive burden. They're doing this without yeah. him. And even if he with, – with less of an offensive burden – if he was actually shooting what we would expect him to shoot, I mean, they should be even better, right? Um, so they're doing this with Brad Beal shooting pretty inefficiently. And the other thing, um, you touched on Montrose Hale and Kyle Kuzma. Where do you think, in that trade, where do you think Russell Westbrook ranks among uh, just the best players? Of all of these guys? All, all these guys, including KCP, Montrez, Kyle Kuzma. Was that it? Was there anyone else in that trade that I'm forgetting? Uh they got a draft pick out of it too, okay. and I forget who the draft pick was, okay. but uh, the draft pick has been played. Um, I mean, so far, if you're just talking about guys contributing to a winning basketball, so far this season, Westbrook's last. last. But it, but in the real sense of things, it's like okay, over the course of a season, uh, he'll write the ship. Yeah, like he'll write the ship, and he'll probably end up being first but uh, but maybe Montrez could beat him out maybe still in yeah. terms of total value added to a team yeah um but I mean Westbrook was so slow to start these past two or three seasons too that yeah it's a bit silly to for everyone I mean the news the media knows this they just do it because they need something to talk about but uh yeah no I mean he will be the best probably at the end of the season or most value added maybe Montrez sneaks in there because if he keeps this up but yeah so far Russ has been the worst of the four. Yeah, I, it's so confusing with him. I, when is it going to be real that he's actually this terrible player that we keep seeing for the first half of seasons? When is that going to like last the whole season? Um, yeah. So it's, it's very hard to project him as, as a player um, knowing that history. Um, yeah. But I think last is where he's got to be right now. I think you're right. Um, so let's move on here. Next thing we're going to talk about. So we just spent you know, I don't know, months talking about uh, most interesting teams and having our takes, which we knew were going to be terrible. And, of course, some of them were terrible. So we're going to talk about some of our worst takes and then may maybe mention some of our best takes at the end, too. We're going to talk some of our worst takes so far, 12 games in the NBA season, what has looked horribly. Um, on my list, the Wizards were one of those worst takes. We've, we've already <laughs> talked about that. Um, and, it looked horribly. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, so I'll go first. My next one was the DeMar DeRozan signing with the Bulls. Uh, I didn't see it. I saw them being you know, a pretty good offensive team, but a terrible defensive team. Uh, I'm going to look up their stats while I'm talking here. Um, but I just didn't see it being that great of a fit. I thought they, they overpaid him, and no one was really trying to sign him for that much money. But the Bulls have looked really, really good. They are right now sixth in net rating. They are third in the East with an eight and four record. I'm trying to get their offensive and defensive stats. They, I know they have been up to this point. I'm trying to see if it's changed. Um, they've been a really good defensive team, which has kind of come out of nowhere. Um, and the pieces just fit offensively. The pieces have also fit really well together. Like Demar Derozan's been incredible, averaging like 26 last time I checked. Um, Zach Levine's right behind him, like just under 26. Um, the only player that's had this take kind of a step back. Uh, is Vucevic, who's averaging 13 points a game, but he still you know, gives you a lot as a floor spacer. Um, he's a good passer out, out of the low post and high post. Um, so a guy you can kind of build your offense around he doesn't, if he doesn't have to score, if they don't have to go down to you know, force the ball into him in the low post, then that's just kind of a bonus. Um, they're doing it without Patrick Williams, who is probably out for the year with a wrist injury. Alex Caruso um, has stepped in and been a great fit for that team. And Lonzo's been – I mean, Lonzo um, – 
for most of the early part of the seasons when I've been monitoring it, he's been one of the, according to 538's Raptor, has been like one of the best players in the league so far this year, um, which we knew that was a great signing. The DeMar DeRozan thing was just what I questioned, but he's so far just been a great fit as a guy who can get you a bucket late in games. He's putting up huge numbers. I don't expect them to keep averaging 26, um, but putting up huge numbers, and they kind of are playmaking as a team. Like they don't have, like Lonzo isn't, you know, your typical pick and roll, get nine assists game point guard. He's just going to share the ball. Um, so they can run it through Lonzo. They can run it um, in the fast break with Lonzo. They can run, you know, bring DeMar DeRozan, have him be your main playmaker in the pick and roll. Um, you can just bring Levine off screens, have him be a secondary playmaker, or you can run up, run it through Vucevic in the post. So they just have a lot of options in their playmaking collectively as a team. And it's fit really well together so far. Um, so I've been pleasantly surprised because I've been wanting the Bulls to be very good. And I, I do, I, you know, I'm how much of a Zach Levine fan I am. So I'm pleasantly surprised that they are so good so far. Yeah. Uh, do you think the uh, the Olympics was big for Zach Levine? Or do you think just just for his ability you think, to play with other star players and good players, do you think, no, they just got better players? So um, I mean, I, I do think it played a factor. Like, he was kind of a defensive stopper on that Olympic team. Um, so I think that just buying into that team mentality a little bit more, um, showing mm. I think that does help. But I, mean, I don't think that's the biggest factor. Like, this is, like, offensively, like, this is who he, who he was, like, last year. Um, he, yeah. he just He's a really good player. The buy-in defensively into the team factor helps a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I, and maybe you're right that like him take, taking a little bit of a backseat to Rose and letting him do his thing has has been um, a big part of this, and that comes yeah. comes from the Olympics. Um, I, go ahead. I was wondering if also if where Zach Levine. I was thinking about this a couple of nights ago. Where Zach Levine ranks in the NBA, he might be first. Of if you just saw if you just pulled up to a gym and someone was working out, you know driving to the basket, taking jumpers, dunking and stuff. Zach Levine, and you didn't know anything about, else about them, you might think Zach Levine's the best player in the world. I mean, he's incredibly... Just, if you just saw him in yeah, the gym. He's incredibly... <laughs> he looks incredibly smooth when he plays. Everything is very yeah. decisive, um, very smooth. Like, I mean, he's athletic in like just a, a different way than most people are athletic um it, it shows up in all of his movements and his jumper is real smooth so yeah i mean that's yeah i that's why i love loved him going back to I mean, when he was a freshman at ucla just like watching his high school highlights and like watching him play ucla i was like wow this guy this guy could be something special uh, yeah because he just he looks his, the part his jumper is way too smooth for a guy that athletic yeah like, it, it doesn't to be that athletic and work on a jumper like that growing up yeah it's just <laughs> um but yeah, I, everything you said, I also kind of agreed with. I was confused by the, the Demar thing, and um, I, I think it's hard sometimes when I guess I, I'm giving us uh, some credit. <laughs> I think it's hard sometimes with unless you're just a star, star player, where no matter what, you're gonna thrive if you're like a superstar. But if you're just like a star to maybe just a really good NBA player, um, you you're worried about fit oftentimes. And so, like, you just never really know when someone changes the situation with, like, Tamar going to play with Lonzo, who likes to push it and all that, and just, the, you know, it's going to be a new thing. But, like, uh, is Tamar really going to fit with this style? And uh, which is – and sometimes it is right to question it, but then sometimes it's like, oh, wait, it wasn't – Tamar played this – does this stuff not just because of his style, but it's also that maybe that was just what the team played, what he used to do. It doesn't mean he can't do a different way. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was just the big question. I just didn't think Tamar would – uh, sync up this well, but he has so good for him. It is fun to see Chicago be a good basketball city again. Um, just as a city, Chicago's just way too, I feel like, vital of of a basketball mecca, mecca yeah. powerhouse. That yeah, that to have such a bad NBA team for so long. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I've. Oh, and then I, I guess I've also underestimated how good Alex Caruso actually is. Like I knew I knew that he was a solid player in the Lakers, but there's, there's always so many jokes, you know, King Caruso and all that, yeah. that it almost like took away from the fact that, Oh, this guy's a very good guy to have on a basketball team mm -hmm. and on a winning team. Yeah. So I don't think I gave that. I don't think I gave his signing and just like him as a basketball player enough respect. Yeah. He is fit perfectly. And that's another Lakers misstep so far is not resigning him. Yeah. Um, so Lakers, if I mean, if Lakers just hadn't made any moves since, since that where they were, they, they would be, it seems like they were looking a lot prettier. Um, but yeah. let's, let's not talk about the Lakers. Um, I'm going to let you go with your, your worst take so far. Uh, my worst take so far is I gave the Celtics, I'm pretty sure, decently a pretty high, I don't remember what I gave, but a high offseason grade. And the, well, a couple of the reasons why I gave it to them was I thought the Schroeder deal was great. 
and I thought the Horford deal was great, which have both turned out to be true, where I was a fool was for thinking it would matter. <laughs> and they've just still been so awful to watch. Uh, it is a bit better now. Sure, has been a like, concussive ball, but it has some scoring punch from the point guard position. And Horford, Horford's third in the NBA in blocks right now per game, and he's just a great facilitator. He's just a great guy to have on the team. And if I thought – I didn't think Horford was going to be half as good as he has been so far for them. And yet – with how good those two guys have been, for them to still, I think, have a losing. I think they're six and seven right now. Yep, six uh, and seven with the um, the fifteenth best net rating. So the, the net rating to back up that record, basically. Yeah, uh, really, just goes to show how frustrating this team continues to be. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do at the deadline and who's here and who's gone yeah. after the deadline this year. I, um, I mean, as you know, I, I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast a lot, and he's obviously a, a big Celtics homer. Um, and just cannot contain like his optimism sometimes for like not how good they not how good they are, but just for example, he he keeps talking about like he he tries to maybe hedge it and say it's probably not going to happen, but he wants Marcus Smart to be the centerpiece of a package for Ben Simmons. Um, and I'm just like that's not happening. Happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so um, I get a lot of Celtics uh, talk through that. Um, but yeah, they just have not. Jalen Jerem Brown has been out. Has he been out for how long? How long has he been out for? I want to say he's missed like four games now, which I think the Celtics are actually like three and one in those games. Okay, yeah, or maybe they're two and two now because they lost last night or something. Maybe something like that. Right. But they were doing okay. Yeah. So we're starting. We're starting to get to the point where, like, these guys do not make them. It's kind of what we're seeing with Paul with Paul George in, in L.A. Like he's having a great season every time. Paul George has been a guy where. If you make him the surefire number one option, if you like, if he knows that he is the guy on the team, that's when he's at his best. You know, he did was that with the Pacers, um, mm-hmm. a little bit lesser version of himself, like not fully realized yet, but that with the Pacers, he went to OKC and was second fiddle to Russell Westbrook for a year, and then the second year he was just the alpha. It was like, no, this is this is his team, and he was third in the MVP voting that year. Um, last year when Kawhi went down in the playoffs, he was excellent in the playoffs, carried a, a ragged team to the Western Conference Finals, and then this year without Kawhi, he's been really good. Um, so we just we're seeing there that um, those guys' skill sets, even though they're both like the kind of guys that every team wants, they don't complement each other perfectly. And I think we're starting to get to that point with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, where they have very over- overlapping skill sets. Um, and if one is being the alpha, then the other one is just kind of kind of be minimized a little bit. Not that they're I mean they're both really good, and I don't think they are the the entire problem here but um it just brings me to you know my trade proposal when we when we talked about the celtics um in the preseason of the of jalen brown centering jalen brown in a package for damian lillard and trying to make a win now move i mean do you think they're ready do you think they have the foundation with if they had damian lillard and, and jason tatum to um to actually compete now if they made that move yeah i mean I mean, a lot of it is also for the Celtics right now is Jason Tatum shooting a really bad percentage from the field. So you mm-hmm. wonder if he shot can kind of regress back to the uh, to the average if they would have won a couple more games and it wouldn't look so bad right now for him. Um, and the other thing was Jason, and this kind of also relates maybe to if Danny, Damian Lillard joined the team, but and I don't know, maybe this is just, maybe this is normal and it just kind of looks weird to see, but it actually is normal. Um when a team has two stars on it, but in games that uh, Jalen Brown has played this year, Jason Tatum's taken 22 shots per game. In games that Jalen Brown has not played, he's taken 22 shots per game. So he's taking the same amount of shots no matter what, uh, which I just would have thought when well, there's another person who also takes a lot of shots, years would probably be less than when that person's out of the game, but he takes the same amount either way. And maybe that is normal. I'm just overthinking it, but on the other side, if he's still taking 22 shots when Brown is on the court too, who's probably taking 22 shots and neither of them are great passers yet in their career, how many of those 44 shots or whatever are probably pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but so, it, but if, if that's the thing of it's like, no matter what, I'm going to get my 22 shots up. Uh, then having, you know, I don't, maybe even having Dane would be a little bit of a, the same sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. Um, that brings me to the, the last thing about the Celtics. Um, I'm assuming you saw Marcus Smart's comments um, where he said that 
every defense is geared towards stopping Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, um, mm-hmm. and they don't want to pass the ball. So they're just like hoping they're helping them try to learn to pass the ball. What 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 did you think about that? Uh, well, they then they then played pretty well after he said that. Mm-hmm. So I think people start be like, oh, did he you know light a fire at him? Right. Maybe maybe it was just coincidental. Uh, what do I think of it? I think he's probably right. Probably though, something you don't want to say to the public. Yeah. Um, so, especially because he had not, he's not played great yet this year either. Or maybe it's because of the fact that he's being put in weird situations because he's not getting the ball in good moments and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's probably something you want to talk about as a as a team or as in public. But they did win a couple of games after that, so who knows? Maybe he did the right thing. What do you think of it? A public call out like that. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I I agree. Probably don't want to say in public, but I, I guess it's been a build up over a, a couple of years here, um, where you just kind of have to. I I mean, Marcus Smart probably thinks a little too highly of himself. He's a he's a good player, but probably thinks a little bit highly place of himself. But he is but he is a leader on that team. Um, so maybe he just felt like after if nothing's changing really, um, this is what needs to happen. It's like they need to be publicly called out. So, I mean, we'll see how it works for them. I I. I wouldn't have done it, but I mean, Marcus Smart's a uh, a different breed. So, um, yeah. the my next worst take so far uh, was saying Scotty Barnes was a reach by the Toronto Raptors, and, and uh, they should yeah. have one hundred percent taken Jalen Suggs. Now it's early; it's very early, early days here, and Jalen Suggs has not looked good. I don't expect that to continue. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be very good. Um, but Scotty Barnes has just absolutely looked the part. I mean. I, and again, like I liked him in the draft a lot. I did. I I just thought he was a, a level below the, that top four. Um, but he has been uh, arguably the best rookie so far. Him or Evan Mobley have been the two best rookies. And he's it, it looks completely legit. He's just big. He's long. He's really smart. Um, he's very active defensively. Um, he's a good playmaker. And he's his you know his his mid range shooting has has been and, his, and just his scoring ability in general has been further along than we expected. Um, you would have thought this guy was. I mean, you would have thought this guy would have been a, a good role player right now, and then a project down the line to kind of be a lead ball handler um, and a little, little bit more of a, of a star type guy. Um, but he looks like he's gonna be, you know, making Pascal Siakam pretty uh, replaceable and, and tradable for the for the Raptors here pretty soon. That's how good he's looked. Um, yeah, and Pascal is also doing that himself. Yeah, true. So, um, so yeah, what have, what have you thought of Scotty Barnes? Have you have you loved? what he's done so far obviously, obviously I, I was kind of high on the Raptors I was kind of like questioning the Raptors like this team's going to be really fun like throw up a lot of weird lineups um so it's fun to see them actually actually kind of competing here yeah I uh I have per- I actually have not watched much Cardi Barnes outside of just seeing some of his highlights mm-hmm. like when he takes two dribbles to get down the court and a few of his defensive possessions where he just causes hell to the guys on offense but um I I think the big I guess the surprising thing is usually an end Rookies are just terrible basketball players usually in the NBA. Like they're just even if they have good stats and like clearly they're gonna be a great player, they're still gonna have a negative probably impact on a team that first year when they're on the court. Right. Uh, and this year it seems like there's at least three or four guys that are actually playing winning basketball already, mm-hmm. which is really rare for a rookie class. So even for for lottery players, I mean, usually if someone I feel like has a positive impact, it's because they're like a late yeah. first round, second guy, like Chris, guy like Chris Duarte, just, you would expect to have a positive impact, right? Yeah, someone who's older and just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna have a great, you know, ceiling, but I can do something right now for you. Yeah. Um, but Mobley and Barnes are guys who already, I think, could give you real minutes in the playoffs. Uh, Davion Mitchell too. He is an older guy though, but uh, Davion Mitchell, I thought, I think too for the Kings has been awesome. Um, just if he gives you any scoring and playmaking, that's great. But it's his defense alone uh, is enough for him to be out there. So, uh, rookie class playing well. Uh, I, I would say. I don't know what to think about Jalen Green. If it's just like, okay, first year, Anthony Edwards also looks really bad the first few months of the season. Uh, if it's just going to be that sort of thing, and he'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, that's what I. That's what yes. I would think. I think he's just not. He's just not hitting shots right now. Like I think he, like, between what he did in the G, obviously between his whole high school career, between what he did in the G League last year, between what he did the preseason this year, he looks like he's going to be legit and like real. I, th- I think he's just not hitting shots right now. Yeah. Um, and who else have I liked? I liked uh, Josh Giddy. I mean, he has to work on his shooting, but just the way he plays is pretty fun to watch. Mm-hmm. 
who else has been fun? Uh, I <laughs> uh, well, you've seen Zaire Williams. I haven't seen him, but it's, it doesn't look like it's been too hot yet for a start, right? Um, he's pretty young though. He's very young and like raw. Um, he, I mean, he's done. He's looked honestly. When I've watched him, he's looked a little more ready. Like he hasn't. I don't think his stats are very good, um, but he's looked just more of the part at this point than I kind of would have expected. Like he doesn't look completely over his head. I mean, he's shooting thirty three. Um, percent from the field and 28 percent from three um mm. but almost all the shots for three so that's just coming on on high three volume um but he's he's looked like he he hasn't looked like way over his head so uh, but he's he's definitely a long-term project yeah and this i mean we didn't talk about this in the pod i don't think but you know this might be my worst case my worst take uh thing so far is out to the g league i got wrapped up in the heat of the moment i have a friend who is in uh Vegas for the G League and you're just hyping up Alperin Sangoon so much and I liked him too when I watched his G League stuff. Yeah. And so I thought he looked awesome. I thought like he like he may have been the best rookie performer in the G League. So I put in the summer league. Are you in summer league? Uh, summer, sorry, sorry, summer yeah. league, not the G League. So we got wrapped right so we each bet like fifty bucks to win three thousand dollars for him to win rookie of the year. And now he's only averaging like twelve minutes a game, <laughs> which is really disappointing. He's looked good in those minutes. Though. I don't know why he's not playing more for, yeah. the, for, so I, for the Rockets. But he has. So I hope he. I hope he gets. Some, I like. I hope he gets more playing time, and you know maybe. Uh, oh, he's averaging nineteen. He's averaging nineteen. Nineteen, 19 minutes okay, a game. Okay, it's coming up now. Nine, but, nine uh, points for rebounds. Yeah, he's doing. He's doing pretty good. But there's no chance that like he overtakes Mobley or Barnes. So no. that bets down the chain. Yeah. <laughs> But it was so close, three grade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, to your point, like I like Mobley. We thought of as a little bit of a project. Like he's not going to be able to compete physically on day one. Um, his his game is like incredible. His offensive game is like incredible. Has this incredibly high ceiling, but it's going to take him a few years to put it together. But like it's just started with him being an excellent defensive player right now. Yeah. Um, and then him being a better uh, farther along, like like uh scotty barnes too farther along um offensively than we expected either so those both both those guys are just really good contributors right now which is great to see for for two guys that like again we, we expected those guys to be projects and they're like right now day one really good um well, mobley mobley had the thing of coming in people thinking oh this guy's you know he's you know he's young he's gonna be weak people are gonna bully him around push him around and stuff he's not gonna get rebounds he's gonna get mm-hmm. you know people are gonna just go uh, go to town on him in the low post but uh, and it just turned out to be not true at all. And uh, this happens a lot, I feel like, with really good NBA prospects. Like, same thing happened with KD and, and whatnot, that if you're really if you're just tall and you look thin, then people assume you're weak. Yeah. And uh, so what, it's almost like that money ball thing of, like, what are we selling jeans here, you know? Right. A uh, line about when they're scouting guys. Right. Um, it's like there must be another way to scout if someone is actually strong in the way they play yeah. than just the fact that Evan Mobley is does not weigh very much. Yeah. I think it's like I mean Chet Holmgren might be the number one pick next year, um, and he's yeah. seven foot, one hundred and ninety five pounds, like ridiculously thin. But he does not play like he's thin. Like you, you I've watched yeah. I watch videos of him like basically bullying grown men in in late in leagues and stuff. Um, yeah. So there, there's these type of guys who yeah you're right like look really skinny. You assume they're weak. Um, but they know how to use their weight. They they play tough, and they and it doesn't really hold them back as much as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to give your next worst take? You have another one. Um, kind of leads to it. Just the my next worst take, I guess, is just the Cavs would be terrible. Was, I, I thought they would just be really bad again. Yeah. And uh, you didn't you didn't bank on uh, Colin Sexton getting hurt, did you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think they're nine and five right now. Um, let's see here. Cavs are nine and five. Yep. Yeah. So with the eleventh eleventh best net rating. Um, and like who knows how long that lasts, but it's fun. They're a fun team to watch too. So I'm I'm glad they are good. Uh, and if they do, if they do end up having a season like this with Mobley, who would you say Mobley's their best player, or do you think someone else is? I mean, Ricky Rubio, maybe. Rubio, honestly, maybe. maybe. Rubio's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, probably Mobley. But so, okay, so what's the precedent for this of a rookie coming in? Team was really bad. All of a sudden, they're in the playoffs, and the rookie, maybe not, but might be their best player. All right. I mean, the what's only the, thing I can, the only thing this? I can think of, um, 
and it doesn't really count is is Tim Duncan with the Spurs. But obviously David Robinson was hurt the year before. Yeah. That wasn't like actually a bad team, and like he might have, David Robinson might might have been the best player. But that's yeah, it's the only kind of comparable situation yeah. off the top off the top of my head. Um, which just I mean mentioning Evan Mobley along with Tim, Tim Duncan like should already give you an idea of how special he's he's been so far. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to look into before next episode. Look into it to see what the precedent is for for this, but. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my yeah. head, so I, I mean, you yeah, think I'm just of, dead wrong about that. <laughs> I mean, you think of like um, I'm trying to remember how many games the Cavs won, like LeBron's first year, basically. Um, I, I think I think it took until their second year when they were like a pretty good team. Yeah, they were they were still really the bad best, his rookie year. I don't think he won rookie of the year, but I think the best rookie that year was Dwayne Wade. Maybe they they made uh, maybe they snuck into the playoffs. Not sure. Uh, I cannot remember. I mean, look, I'm just looking at Cleveland's record here, real um, quick. Okay, so they finished thirty-five and his rookie year. They finished thirty-five and forty-seven after going. If it'll let me click it, after going seventeen and sixty-five the year before, so that's an eighteen-game improvement. Okay, so that, that's a big, that, that's, that's a comparable one. Still. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, like again, we're talking about LeBron, the second best player of all time. These, these are the names. Yeah. These are names we mentioned with with this. Pro- we're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you're right. Like, yeah, it's, totally. <laughs> fourteen yeah. games into the season. But, uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, it has been extremely impressive. Man's played fourteen yeah. NBA games in his career. Yeah, and they've been able to play. Um, like, I mean, I, I thought drafting him after signing Jared Allen to a hundred million dollar contract. Like, obviously. Like still taking Evan Mobley was a good choice, but I thought that contract was a little bit too much. These guys weren't going to be able to play together, but they've been able to play not only those together, but Laurie Market on the floor at the same time and be like really good. Yeah, um, that's just how special Evan Mobley has been, how like versatile he is defensively and offensively so far. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so my next worst take, my last one, um, and I probably have had more, but these are the three that stuck out. Um, was Miami not doing enough in the off season to be true contenders? Um, they currently they've lost a little bit, a couple lately. Um, in their last ten, they're six and four, but they're they're eight and five right now. So they're coming down a little bit to earth. They're fifth in the East with the third best net rating, though, basically tied with the Jazz for second um, with a six point seven net rating. They look excellent. I mean, Tyler Hero. I, I I still don't know the narrative around Tyler Hero was so weird last year because he was actually better than he was as a rookie. Uh, people just had this like idea of him scoring whatever 38 in that playoff game bubble hero yeah, yeah. where like that wasn't who he was he just had like, some a couple of really good games um so he actually improved as a rookie like as he was supposed to, i mean as a second year player as he was supposed to do and then the series really taking a leap he's been excellent for them um kyle lowry uh predictably has fitted has fit really well um and is just kind of a, a engine for them um jimmy butler is obviously great bam you know, I love Bam. Bam is just one of my favorite players in the league. Um, this team is stacked right now. Uh, has one of the best starting lineups in the league. I wish I had the lineup numbers in front of me. I don't. Um, but or one of the best, like, seven-man rotations, basically, in the league right now, um, which is which is going to make them a true contender. Do you see that that way? As them as true contenders? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think they're contenders. I still, I still would have them probably in a lower tier than, when it comes down to it, than the Bucks or the Nets come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're the immediate tier below that. So, with probably, uh, if we'll wait and see, maybe Sixers, uh, as like a second tier sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, they're definitely up there. I also was not that impressed by the Heat. I just felt like they were. Um, we're a team that spent a lot of money to be like the number four or five seed in the East. And they actually, okay. They are the five seed right now, yeah. but they're they're <laughs> but they're going to be better than that yeah. probably by the end of it. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, they're for, they're for real. And I thought they would just be like a second round playoff loss team yeah. going into it. So it's just amazing. I don't think the heat are ever going to have to rebuild at least with, with Pat Riley at the helm with the current current organization. They just, the, what the job they do just like never having to rebuild and just staying at least in that like six seed range and then picking their spots and like going up to the to the two seed yeah. or whatever um it's pretty it's it's one of the most impressive things in the league there I mean, are they the best market for 
I maybe mean, I guess probably the Lakers are, but mm-hmm. for just being able to attract talent and people wanting to go there, I mean, to live in Miami during the winter time instead yeah. of some of these other cities, I, I just wonder where that ranks in terms of NBA players and the making decision of yeah. not even basketball related, just pure lifestyle where Miami is in the rankings. It definitely helps them a lot. Yeah. Um, do you have any other worst takes? Um. No, I mean, yeah, obviously, but <laughs> nothing, nothing to talk about right now. Okay, um, I'll, I'll get. Let's do best takes quickly. Um, I'll just, I'll name my two so far, which were the the Warriors could contend for a two, a top two seed in the West. Um, I, I kind of like talk myself out of that one a little bit, but I, I just felt pretty optimistic about the Warriors. Did not expect them to be eleven and one with a fourteen point two net rating, which is. Uh, seven and a half points higher than second place Jazz uh, right now. They have not yeah. played. They played the third last time I checked. It was the third toughest, uh, third easiest schedule in the league. Um, so they beat up on some bad teams, um, but they have been pretty incredible. Um, and then the other one was that we might be underrating Toronto. And the Toronto Raptors are seven and seven right now with the thirteenth best net rating. Um, just there's. Really long, really tough to play um, because of their defense and have like a lot of versatile pieces. Um, have Ram Van Fleet, who's just going to kind of um, balance out that all that length with some shooting and scoring. Um, so I, just, I like the the structure of the roster. Um, so do you have anything to say about that, or do you just have any best takes that you want to talk about? Um, I didn't have many great takes this offseason. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought the Wizards would be good, but that was more like. That was like 60% homerism. Yeah. 40% just like I thought they'd be better than last year. Uh, so. It couldn't be much that, worse. Um, I guess another. Oh, I guess this is what I, I can call a win because I think Francis was down on them. But I thought the Clippers were going to be really good this year again. And they have been. So I'm, I'm counting kind of that as a win. So. That's, I was down on the Clippers too. I, I was with Francis in that camp that um, I did not think they were going to. with Without Kawhi, I didn't think they were going to have the. the the roster strength to really compete in the West, even though the West is kind of like it's it's in a weird limbo state right now. Um, yeah, I, the West has six teams. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So. Um, so they've been really good. And then we talked about Paul George briefly. Um, he's obviously been a huge part of that. Um, mm. So I, I've been surprised by that as well. Uh, so we're gonna take a break real quick, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the rule changes that have taken place in the NBA this year. And we are back, everybody, from our commercial break here. Um, again, this is Grant Heckinger with Connor Byrne. Obviously, you know this if you're listening to it, but this is something that hosts sometimes do is just reannounce the names. Um, so the next topic that we want to discuss is one of the biggest topics in the NBA this year, um, one of the biggest changes in the, the league, the style of play. Um, I think most people think it's for the positive, but we're going to discuss it, is the rule changes and really just the cracking down on rules um that that the league has started to enforce on players drawing fouls in unnatural ways players of note who have almost nearly made a living off of this have been james harden and trey young for the past i mean james harden for the past i don't know seven years and trey young for the past couple have made a living off of drawing fouls from players giving them really no option to guard them because if you actually stay up on them, then they're going to find a way to draw a foul on you. But the league has cracked down on that by eliminating the unnatural movements that players make to draw those fouls. So um, that being said, Connor, I'm just going to hand it over to you. What have you thought about the rule changes? Definitely way better. The I think everyone knew when watching the Olympics this year of just how much better, like was reminded of how much better basketball is when these fouls are not called and people aren't jumping into defenders and all that. Um, I think even a lot of players are even talking about, obviously not the ones that were benefiting from the calls, but every other NBA player was talking about how much better that Olympic style was than what the NBA had been for a couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, just it's when the flow of the game is better. There's less stoppages. Um, I think you could probably judge an NBA rule by if another team takes advantage of it on you, like how visceral is your anger? And I think that one was really high on the list of just true, like maybe I'm going to throw a remote at something type type anger level of, you know, Trey Young gets you to bite on that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a much better product. And 
I, I do have to say, though, I feel like that the refs have gone on a bit of a revenge tour against James Harden for exploiting the rules the past few years, where he's not even getting calls. Some of these games from driving to the basket and normal calls that they always call. Yeah. And they're just like giving it to him. Yeah. Kind of as an FU. Uh, get, so, it's like which we'll probably stop. They've expected but. him to get fouled for so long. Like, that's how they've been playing. It's like expecting James Harden to get fouled, and now they're just like expecting him. They're like waiting for him not to get fouled. So they're doing yeah. the other way. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. What about what about you? How are you enjoying it? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean we talked about. I mean we had a, a big conversation last year um, on one of our episodes about the just the watch watchability of the game, the direction it's heading, and how there are ways to fix it. Um, I believe this is probably one of the things that we discussed as as a major um, way to fix it, and this is is worked so far. Um, it's it's been a lot a lot more watchable products, like you said. Um, it was never something that you know, like I personally blamed james harden or trey young or these guys for taking advantage of the rule it's just the way the rule is i mean if, you, if you're thinking about it from trey young's perspective for example um he's like a really small guy and all he's doing he's trying to um he i mean he's trying to make his career off of scoring as efficiently as possible and if you take mm-hmm. if you take away what he can do which he's if you take away his three-point line um his three-point shooting and he has to get he has to you know go into the middle of the lane now he's a really small guy if he has a floater, he's going to take that floater. But if you're going to be on his back, preventing him from taking that floater, he's going to stop and he's going to he's going to get you to foul him. So all he's doing is taking like the next step to make sure that he can score as efficiently as possible. Um, so if the rules are, if the rules allow them to do that, like I don't blame players for doing that. So this was just clearly something that the league needed to address. Um, on the other hand, you know Trey Young and James Harden have both whined a little bit about the calls. I mean, you're right; they might be not getting as many calls as they should be in general but like i you're I, not going to feel sorry for these players either you know when the the nba changed the defensive rules to protect shooters um to protect ball handlers in years past defenders had to adjust like the, it's just an adjustment like you have to adjust that to that what the new rule is and these offensive players are going to have to adjust and they will adjust and the game will be better for it like this is the tinkering with the rules that we had talked about like you we swung it too wildly in one one direction to give an advantage to offensive players and now we swung it a little bit back we've correct we've course corrected a little bit and are hopefully closer to the ideal um version of basketball the most watchable product because that's what this is it's a it's a product that viewer, we want viewers to stay watching right um the, that's that's how the league's going to survive it's going to thrive um so it's it wasn't it, it wasn't even swung to offensive players. It swung to specific offensive players, guys in the perimeter. Like the big yeah, men weren't getting yeah. any benefits. Oh no, so. benefits all for the big yeah. men. I mean, you can get destroyed down low. The the yeah. contact is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, it's 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 done what it's supposed to do. It's done exactly what everyone I think knew it would do, um, and that's been good. And we'll see. I mean, James Harden the other night had thirty nine. We'll see these guys correct. Like I said, they'll they'll adjust and they'll figure out how to play because these are still really talented players. Um, who have relied on that those calls to make them as successful as possible, but they're still plenty talented to be extremely successful players um, yeah. in the league. Um, so we both love to see that. The next thing, there's still more changes that I think need to be made, need to be made in the rule changes um, and things that the, that the league needs to crack down on more. There's one specific one that I want to talk about, um, and that is. So I've got two versions. I've got the. I've got the, the less extreme version and then I've got the more extreme version. I'm gonna start with the less extreme version. Um moving screens. Okay. If you watch an NBA game, I mean pick and roll is extremely common. I promise you minimum forty percent of, of screens are moving screens. There was a, <laughs> a, it's I was watching a highlight of John Morant, a slow mo highlight of the, the Grizz Instagram account posted of John Morant where Steven Adams sets a screen and it is just so clearly like leaning over his shoulder into the guy like like stepping up every screen almost every screen i mean 40 percent is probably a low estimate almost every screen is a moving screen at this point no one's get set um and the defensive players are already at such a disadvantage trying to guard the pick and roll so when you're allowing them allowing the offensive the, the the screen setter to just move wherever he wants and just not let the guy pass then they're going to be the, the offense is always going to have that advantage yeah, i mean the, the offensive players are so talented already why do we need to give them even more of an advantage so this is something that I want to see the league crack down because I think like, it's not like I want to see this become a a, a slog of a, of a game to watch. I don't want to be a, a defensive battle every game, but I think the players are talented enough that they don't need moving screens to get an advantage. We don't need to be giving them like 
extra extra advantage and the, and the league just ignores them moving screens happen all the time and they're very rarely called because people just whine when they're called be like what are you talking about it's, it's just kind of baked into the into the culture that like you're not going to get called for a moving screen um and if you do it's got it's got to be egregious but almost every screen i see set is is in some form or fashion a moving screen um so what do you think about that before i give my more screen version what do you think about that uh i like it and i also just, i like it for the implication of what it might mean to the style of basketball that gets played from that rule too, which I think, which my guess would be like right now, a lot of basketball at the NBA level and the high college level is uh, most of the offenses run through a pick and roll with a, a guard, a big. Um, and a lot of times also they kind of take a bit to get it going. Like they'll just hold the ball for 10 seconds and then call the guy over for the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas if that advantage is less and maybe it's more of a, okay, everyone run around and let's do more motion sort of offense, which if stylistically, I just think it's a more fun way to watch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely, it is, I mean, it is fun to see a guy kind of go one-on-one or like have a dance party and see, and see what they can do with the floater or the alley-oop type thing um, between the big and the guard. But uh, yeah, so that, uh, another point actually is, I'm just going to say quickly, have you seen that video? It came out like a week ago about uh like the title the title of the youtube video is like the team that doesn't dribble or something I, I, I haven't watched it. i saw i saw the headline i saw I actually saw that video on youtube but i haven't i haven't watched it yet okay yeah um i'll i'll send it to you after this as a reminder but for any listeners too it's about you should, if you enjoy learning about just random basketball stuff there's a team bellarmine that was d2 then went d1 and had a way better season last year than people expected uh and they were 11th of the nation in um an offense and i think it was the top teams like pretty much all the other teams in the top 10 20 all average like 20 25 ball screens a game in offense efficiency but this team only does four uh and their whole thing is that they just like don't dribble and they're just always moving around and running around sort of thing mm-hmm. and uh so which I, I think is a fun way to watch it because I, I always just love seeing uh like all five guys who know how to pass together as, a, as an offensive system. So if it came like that, or if at least a couple of teams started trying to do something like that, that'd be kind of fun. Um, and the other thing I was going to say with it is, what would you have any worry about, maybe it's only a short-term issue, not a long-term thing, but big big guys are already getting in foul trouble because they have to protect the paint on defense. Would there be any worry of adding the defensive fouls again in a game with more offensive fouls from moving screens that there's all of a sudden big guys would have a hard time staying on the court. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think that that would happen at first, but again, I think it would be an adjustment. I think they would, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier. It's, it's literally easier to stand still than it is to move. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) so I I think they would adjust. Um, and, and eventually, yeah, they, they would probably get, get punished for that eventually, but that's, that's how you learn, um, that to not do that anymore. So I I think they would make that adjustment. Um, on the other stuff you said, you were basically, um, walking me to the door for my for my next point, you just you, oh, you nice. walked me right up to it. Um, so the basis of this is basically like you said that the league should be trying to, I, I think, should be trying to minimize uniform homogenous styles of play. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Um, the pick and roll is obviously so effective that it is the foundation of basically every offensive possession in the NBA. Um, you're seeing at least one, a lot of the times, multiple pick and uh, screen rolls every, every possession in the NBA. Um, that isn't, obviously, that isn't like a fast break or some, something like that. What if, to take this to the more extreme of what I said, what if on-ball screens were outlawed? And I'm just going to leave it there in the air for you to, to chew on. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting one. I, did, I would be very curious to see what it looks like. I guess it would look like Bellarmine then. Uh yeah, I, mean, I don't have an immediate reaction to it other than, oof. Uh, I'd be curious. I, I mean, why not tinker with it? Basketball needs more tinkering yeah. with just rule stuff. Kind of like the MLB this past season, and maybe this maybe this past two now. Um, but they've started just try changing rules in their minor league systems as just a way of, like, let's just see how the game looks and if it's more fun this way. And so maybe the NBA can do that with the G League or something. Just try out different rules down there. If it works, bring it to the NBA. Yep. Um, something like that. So yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with giving it a shot at least um, with someone, and then seeing how it works. Maybe not the NBA at first, but do it. 
Yeah, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. It's the type of thing that would probably have, like, it would have to be gradual. Like, it would have to be, let's crack down on moving screens, and then let's kind of make some more adjustments to this. Um, like, doing it right now would, would just throw the league into chaos. Like, just, just kind of... Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, you notice, I, I mean, again, I specified on-ball screens. That, that leaves off-ball screens available, so you still have a lot of off-ball yeah. movement. People have, still have ways to get open, um, but you just have to you get a lot more... Um, a lot more varied styles of play. You see a lot more of like the Warriors styles of play, style of play, um, where you're not running pick and rolls, you know, uh, 75 times a game or whatever, um, which is what we just, I mean, it's what we see from every team. And I think that's a big contributing factor to like the, the lower watchability. I mean, this is what people have been talking about. And they thought it was the three point shot that was going to do this. Every team's just jacking it up. It's not really a three point shot. Like three point shot is kind of like a, mm. is, is a separate thing. A side effect of this, um, where I mean, that that was a natural progression. The three point shot is more efficient. It's going to happen. The pick and roll is really, I think, more what's leading to the monotony of play in the NBA right now. Um, so I mean, it'd be an extreme change, like I said, very extreme change. And I think moving screen is something that 100 percent needs to be cracked down on. But like you said, like I I would be at least interested to see what a game would look look like. And that makes me now want to watch that Bellarmine video more um, now that you've related that to that. Um, yeah. So I, I I think it would kind of be a positive change, um, but it would be a huge one that the NBA will take a long time to come to if they ever did. Um, so before we wrap up, I know you had a couple. Well, other... I, have a, I have a couple rule changes here. Too. Oh, you have rule changes. Okay, go for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I'm happy that I assumed that we were just going to go down the take foul route, which everyone's already talking about. So I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, yeah. No. But my two, one I've talked about. On numerous occasions, I'm just going to say really briefly, I still think the NBA should try out some version of integrating the Elam ending into the NBA and uh, the one where they, you know, just 21 points on top of whatever the leading team is, first one to get there, mm-hmm. uh, after the third quarter, first 15 to get there wins the game sort of thing. Um, either do it on like certain nights, you know, like Wednesdays, Wednesdays, the NBA or Elam night, Elam ending nights, or which, but that might get people upset if their team's trying to get, make the playoffs and all of a sudden they're playing a different style of basketball there. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> that'd be wild. But uh, why not just do it with if both teams are already eliminated from contention from the NBA playoffs? Why not do it with them? Why not give us like a reason for somebody to watch that because it's a different ending, it's a different style, something exciting to look at. Uh, the second one I have here. Wait, can I, is, can I comment on the Elam ending really quick? Um, yeah. I don't hate that la- that last idea. The the continue from players I, I think i'm kind of anti elam ending i my take on it has been that it, it's going to um, make buzzer beaters too common that it's just like every game is a buzzer beater so there, so there are no buzzer beaters at that point uh uh-huh. and and so you're you're worried about too many mike breen bangs yeah like i mean yeah if every game exactly if every if every game comes down to that then <laughs> yeah. it's just those you're worried about the sanctity of a bang. those aren't special anymore um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen it in like small sample size, and it's fun in small sample size. Um, you know, with the the basketball tournament is where it's been um, most prominent. Um, but once it comes to you know an eighty-two game season and doing that consistently, it's just going to be every night. It just makes it less exciting. I think the that's why it's Elam ending nights. You know, it's like a, yeah, that, that, oh Wednesday night. That makes Elam sense. That makes sense, and <laughs> I, I, I like that better. Um, I do think that the end of games obviously need to be addressed, but I just think there's better better ways to address it than that but go ahead go with your second one all right here's my second one is i think one of the really fun things about college basketball is when certain teams have a great press Mm -hmm. and but the nba you just can't really press because ball handlers are too good like eight seconds is just way too much time for nba ball handlers to get across Mm -hmm. so what about um because just to see because it could be it could bring chaos and more fun to games if you made uh it less than eight seconds to get across half court in the NBA. Maybe not if uh, if you're not being pressed, but if the other team is doing. So like if you just you don't have to like run up every time, but if a team actually is pressing you, like showing you that they're pressing you, uh, you only have six seconds to get across. Okay, okay. I'm trying to picture this. Picture what would happen. So if a team's not. So what if it was if it was six seconds, no matter what. But if a team's actually not pressing you, then like you just you, you, you roll you the you roll trained. the ball. You. But I'm saying, well, what if it, what if it was just six seconds? And either oh, way, always. always. And if they're not pressing, like you roll the ball or you just throw it up. You throw it to the guy, like almost at half court, anyways. Um, you just kind of had to adjust the way you do normal inbounds at that point. 
Um, cause it'd be, it'd be weird to me, like for it to be successfully changing if it's just, yeah. it's just the teams pressing. I mean, maybe, I mean, Sissingas might just be good anyway, cause it's probably not that fun to watch when people slowly take the ball up the court. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. which I mean, rolling the ball is also like, if, if teams actually were doing that consistently, like that adds a lot of game time that isn't actually being taken off the clock. Um, yeah. so that, that, that might not be the best solution. I'm also like, not to shit on your idea game. I, I'm biased against this because you mentioned college basketball teams pressing. Memphis is a team that presses, and I wish they weren't, because I think that I think <laughs> I think that's a a move that like desperate teams, like not good enough teams, have to do to give them gives themselves a chance. Like West Virginia was never like a real powerhouse or anything. They were they were good because of the press, but they were not like really good because of the press. I think you're limiting what you can do offensively. You're you're having to sub in a lot of players, um, so they don't have rhythm. They don't they don't have that chemistry. Um, they're t- they're tired all the time, um, so it just kind it kind of limits what you can do offensively and, and creates and for Memphis they're creating chaos, but then they're also offensively they're a victim of that own cha- that same chaos because they play with that that looseness that chaos offensively and they turn the ball over a lot. They don't like run good sets, um, so I'm kind of biased against the press. Yeah, well, it probably wouldn't really be something the teams do as an actual strategy as a season strategy, but. Maybe something that you're just down, and it's all of a sudden because of the press, it makes the last two minutes of a game that otherwise mm-hmm. was maybe out of reach yeah. more interesting. Definitely more like situ- situationally, it's it's more appealing to, yeah. me, to me than like yeah, the I, entire game. I don't think game. any team would just run a press every game, like all games, just because NBA players are grown adults. How va- how valuable if if, that, if the press became like a super um, important thing, how valuable would like would Chris Dunn be all of a sudden? Would Chris Dunn be like the most most coveted yeah. point guard in the league he right get, now? He would definitely get a deal. Yeah, he would definitely get a better. What's is he? Did the Grizzlies wave him or did they they did wave him? Uh, yeah, they there? they moved. I let it go over him. Where did where did he go? Let me see here. The Hawks. The Hawks. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I, I like those ideas. Those those are both both out of the, outside the box ideas. I appreciate you. Yeah. You bringing those. Come prepared with those. Um, no problem. I made them this morning. Nice. Good. <laughs> That's why. That's why you needed the uh, extra time. Uh, before we end this, though, Grant, you want to do some bets real quick? Yeah, sure. Let's uh, go for it. Okay. So, what do you want the punishment to be for this one? Okay. How about we have the loser has to drink a whole bottle of wine in one sitting. A whole bottle. Sorry, a whole bottle of barefoot wine in one sitting. Which okay, I've ne- I've never had barefoot wine, so it's always nice to extend my palate. It will not be extending your palate. It will, <laughs> it will be it will be setting your palate back to your early years of development. Like, <laughs> okay. um, how 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 early back are we talking? Like college, early high school? Are you talking? No, about I'm, like talking, I'm talking. I'm talking like I'm milk. talking probably like <laughs> probably like seven years old when you were screaming about eating your vegetables like you could like or you know oh, you, okay. you couldn't eat salmon like at the dinner like you didn't want salmon like that that's the type of taste okay. we're talking about here. I mean, I, I do want to point out that I actually was cool with vegetables as a kid, and I loved peas, where I would have giant bowls of peas for meals. That's so. disgusting, and it doesn't, so. doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> put, some respect, put some respect on seven-year-old me. <laughs> uh, what about, sa- what about salmon, about, like, though? popcorn bowl-sized bowls. Like, just so normal uh, peas? Like, cooked peas? Yeah, that's, just peas. Yeah, I love them. That doesn't and, surprise uh, me. Salmon? Mm, probably did not eat salmon as a kid, but yeah, I do love that. Okay. Now. All right, so uh, the five five games here. Uh, for Sunday, November 14th, tonight, we have Bulls at Clippers. And I'm going to go Clippers on this one. Um, I'll go Bulls. Bulls? Yeah. All right. And we've got Monday, November 15th, we have Nuggets at Mavericks. You can go ahead first. Um, nuggets. I'm going to go Mavericks because it's three games in four days for the Nuggets. Mm. So go to Mavericks. Mm. Bet you, bet you wish you do that before you yeah. make a call. <laughs> you just got all this nuggets um, of information up your sleeve. <laughs> um, the next game is we have on Tuesday, November 16th, Warriors at Nets. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go. That's Tuesday. Yep. Do the Warriors have a game between then and now? Uh, Warriors have nothing on Monday, but they do play tonight. Who do they play? Tonight? And the Nets play tonight, so they both play Sunday they... and then a day off, and then Tuesday. Who do they play tonight? Who do each of them play tonight? Warriors are at Hornets. Nets are at. Oh yeah, Monday. I do. They're at Hornets. They're here. I was thinking about going to that game. That's probably pretty expensive. Um, the Nets are at Thunder. I'm going Nets. So Nets back to the Nets war, uh, Warriors on Tuesday. You're going Nets. Yes. Okay, I'll go Warriors. Um. 
Wednesday, November 17th, we have... Is Giannis back? Uh, he was not I'd, the other night. I, I haven't heard anything else. Oh, no, we'll do this one, because this is the... Like, you're a Hornets guy now. Uh-huh. You consider yourself a Hornets guy? I mean, I... I I'm, I'm in the city. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, because you're in the city, uh, Wizards at Hornets on Wednesday. I'm going Wiz. Ooh, I feel like you just got to go. Hornets. I have to go Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they're favored right now in the thing. So. Yeah. Uh, as, as they should and be. Then, uh, yeah. Uh, and final game we will do. Mm. I think we do Bulls. Let's do Lakers at, Lakers at Celtics. Okay. Ooh. So Friday night still. Lakers at Celtics, no LeBron. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing no Jalen Brown still. I mean, I'm going Celtics. I'll just tell you right okay. now. Um, dead air, dead air. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'll, I don't want to disagree on everyone, but I can't pick the Celtics, so I'm going to go Lakers. All right. Why would you not? Oh, because this, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think this is the first time ever we've had bets where there's disagreement on every single yeah, thing. Yeah, probably is. Usually it's like we agree on four of them, and then we have to go like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do this yeah. one because we're in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right, this is good. All right, five, five picks. Loser has to do uh, a bottle of barefoot wine. Yeah, the Although, choice, the flavor, the flavor, the winner gets to pick the flavor of barefoot wine. Maybe, so. <laughs> yeah. maybe, we, maybe we can reach out to barefoot wine so we get this episode yeah. sponsored. You know, we're giving a lot of free advertisement yeah. for this right you know, now. what would be worse than barefoot wine we're giving them at least one we know for a fact that we're getting them from this episode at least one sale yeah so so they should at least something. refund us that amount um yeah so um yeah that's that's gonna wrap it up for this episode um again i'm grant heckinger this is connor bun burn here next to me um this has been the Big, big buns. buns. This is uh, God, big buns. We bro. have been the up and under. Um, please go give us a like on whatever podcast uh, network you're listening to this on. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Comment. Tell us how we did. Um, tell us what you want to see more of or hear more of or hear less of. Um, it's probably going to be Connor. It's always Connor. That's what all the comments have been. We want less Connor. <laughs> um, but, that's Connor but boy is he sound yeah. <laughs> he just makes everyone uncomfortable with how handsome he sounds um, <laughs> but yeah that's the up and under thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time mm-hmm.